Bulls to make it 28 to 3. Arthur Blank loving it. Up by 25. Tossed away. He's in. What a comeback. All right, welcome back to another episode of the 28 to 3 podcast. I'm Max. I'm here with Corey. Nick is in uh, Guam, believe it or not. I don't believe him. I actually do believe him because he's been bitching about the flights. I say <laughs> flights because there's three of them to get there and three to get back. So yeah, I don't think he's having a good time. We're texting and he, before that and he's like, I'm going to be in Guam, so I'm not going to be available in like Guam. That's, yeah. a, that's a good one, Nick. Why don't you just say you don't want to... You don't want to come in, or or you you know you, you take a week off. Like Guam, really? That's the excuse. But, yeah, that one's like my dog ate my homework. You know, it's up there with that sort of. Excuse, yeah, like I'm but, not going to do any cross checks on Guam, but you know, I'll take his word for it. He's been pretty angry, so I'm going to believe him. He's an international man of business, a co-owner of Prestige Worldwide, so he has you know things to do, people to see. Exactly, exactly. But unfortunately for him, he is missing this glorious anniversary of that date where the Falcons blew a 25-point lead. That's right. Today is the... So, happy anniversary to you. We are recording this on the seventh anniversary, seven years since that wonderful day uh, where 28-3 to 3 happened. And, you know, the, the account that tweeted it uh, said 28-3 to 3 happened seven years ago today. I was like, you know, I'd like to think it happens every day. <laughs> to us, it does. <laughs> or at least bi-weekly at this point. But Yep, know. yep. So, uh, we're, we're taking this episode to update... You know, we update y'all on the recent Saints news, you know, the the word about Clint Kubiak coming in. Uh, obviously, since he's a Super Bowl coach, that can't be official till after the Super Bowl. But uh, it's one of those news tidbits that's got weird language in it where they can't say he's been hired. Uh, they say we're expecting to hire him. But, you know, the Saints fan in me is like, this is great. This is great in theory. But until it says – he has been hired. I still don't trust it. But I think uh, before we get into that, uh, you know, it is the off season. So I want to pose to you, Max, a little mailbag uh, question there that I received from uh, one of our uh, most loyal listeners, uh, my friend, Eric. Uh, he Our friend at this point. He's our friend. That's right. Yeah. Y'all had some discussions. But he needs your take, Max, on The Rock's return versus Roman Reigns at WrestleMania. Yeah, you know, that's a uh, that's a big debate going on on the uh, the internet these days. There's been a uh, justice for Cody hashtag for for Cody Rhodes. Oh yeah, Cody, yep. Yeah. I know, yep. Yeah, yep. you Can't probably be- heard him but you don't you don't know who he is. But uh <laughs> no, man, it's, I think, you know, with between that and the Vince McMahon just <laughs> unbelievable. Dude, I I can't say that I follow wrestling unless it's like really bubbling to the surface i mean I, I don't dislike it i think it's fun and entertaining i'm just not you know big wrestling nut i know a lot of our listeners are so no offense to that but good lord those vince mcmahon texts i saw those come up and that's it's a civil it's a civil suit so you know he's not looking at jail time per se but he's not gonna win that case put it that way <laughs> yeah i mean just from reading the details of the allegations it it is bad yeah. Like this is, and look, I've, I've followed the WWE and, and, and Vince McMahon for a long time, um, you know, and you, there's always been rumors or allegations floating around of just some of the backstage stuff he's been responsible for. And just, you know, watching the product, you can, you can see where it's coming from, but yeah. man, this is explosive. It's not good. 
It's not good at all. Um, it, it's very explicit. You know? Yeah, extremely explicit. The, like, not the, safe for work, explicit before we talk about it. And the it. screenshots that were floating around the internet, just to be clear, they, they are screenshots from his complaint, you know, his lawsuit itself. And the lawsuit has the lawyers for the plaintiff have pasted the text messages into the lawsuit. That used to not be a thing in lawsuits before, you know, copy paste of images capability. Lawyers would literally just have to type out their allegations, describe them as best as they can in words. But it's something that's happened more recently where they just, if there's something that bad, they're just like, yeah, we're just going to pop this in there, you know? And it's like, it's bad enough to where they're just like, we're just going to let the photo speak for itself. And it's funny because it's like, this is still an allegation because it's a lawsuit, but here's the alleged photograph that we're going to prove at trial. And I would uh, not want to be one of Vince McMahon's lawyers right now. That does not look like a fun case. But shifting back to... Well, let me say this, though. So it's not going to stop with Vince McMahon because there's going to be all of the, I guess, people who are complicit in this behavior by knowing about it but not saying anything about it. And, man, that's going to go deep. So there might Mm -hmm. be a big, big shakeup in the the hierarchy at the WWE, which would be just fascinating to watch. But to to answer Eric's original question, it's... uh, I'm a big rock fan. You know, he was always one of my favorites. Um, but I think they missed. They didn't strike when the iron was hot about a year ago when they could have had him face Roman Reigns. So hmm. this year, it, it, it's 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 disrupting this great long-term storytelling they've done with Cody Rhodes and, and Roman Reigns. And I, I don't know, man. I don't like it. I think the timing's off. You know, I think they just they shoehorned it in with all of the Vince McMahon allegations. And uh, they were hoping that would deflect some of the attention away from that. But... Sure. I think it's, uh, I don't like the move, but let's see what happens. It's going to be entertaining. You know, anything with The Rock involved is going to be, it's going to be big. You know, there'll yeah. be a lot of uh, national media just from other, I guess, not just the wrestling media. It's going to be, it's going to be big. But, um, you know, if you want to take a stand against Vince McMahon and the WWE, you can go to our <laughs> merchandise page. That's right. And check out the uh, New Japan AEW inspired yes. 28 to 3 Club shirt. Yeah. So Coyle dropped the uh, the link for that right now. I'm yeah. sure. Uh, shop.23podcast.com. Very easy to find it. Boom. Uh, credit to Max on that design. Uh, I didn't know what it was, uh, but I figured Max did, and that he had good reason for doing it. But you and know, look, the- you got people like Jono. Jono yeah, knows. Look, he knows like, what it means. Yeah. There's uh you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of our buddies who listeners as well who who uh, who know what the, the shirt means. Yeah, and look, I respect it. And uh, but yeah, you know, when I saw the news about the rock versus Roman Reigns coming out. I mean, my, my take was pretty simple. I, I think it's all people want to overanalyze it. And I get that. But to me, it's, it, it's just that I think that Roman is going to smell what the rock is cooking and he's going to reign supreme. There you go. There you that's go. my take. That's my official take on it. Very well researched <laughs> take. No, that's, that's good. Uh, no, but look, Roman Reigns, I'm a big fan of his as well. My dog is actually named after Roman Reigns. So we, yeah. uh, I got him when uh, the, the, it was the Royal Rumble. God, it was eight years ago. And he had, the dog had the harness on, you know, the first harness I gave him. And it had a little bit of blue in it. And it looked just like the uh, the vest that Roman Reigns was wearing to the ring. So okay. I'm like, oh, it looks just like him. Let's okay. name him Roman. So, so uh, funny little story. So you're going on the record here that you're going with Roman? Uh, yeah, I'm going to go with Roman. That's my guy. That's my okay. guy. I love The Rock as well, but uh, 
we'll see what happens. I, I have a feeling they might pivot and, and cave into the fans and uh, give us a little Cody Rhodes versus Roman Reigns action instead, but we'll see what happens. But, Somebody's got to break into the fight, right? It can't just be that. Hey, listen, you know, maybe you get a uh, three-way fight. Who knows? With wrestling, you just never know. Expect but the unexpected. Expect the unexpected. But uh, in lieu of turning this into a wrestling podcast, let's go ahead and talk about Clint Kubiak. Yeah, we'll shift back to that. Well, uh, let me say this, though. Corey, you did bring up a good point in that, like, I don't, I'm not going to feel comfortable that it's done until the Saints official account tweets out a message saying, Clint Kubiak is the new offensive coordinator. Right. You know what I mean? Until that's done, dude, I, I look, I'm superstitious with that. I almost didn't even want to talk about this, but I feel like we need to just because it is big news. And yeah. uh, look, you know, hopefully it gets done. Nick and I have talked about it a bunch through text messages. This was his number one guy, I think. Uh, this was one of my top guys as well, um, as far as candidates go for the offensive coordinator position. So, look, man, I'm I, I'm very optimistic at this point. Uh, Doug Marone gone as well. Yeah. You know, we the three of us in our group text were we're all very pleased with that move. Um, you know, and it, it was only natural after the team was so poor running the ball last year that you get rid of the offensive line coach slash running game coordinator. You right. know, he has to be the scapegoat at that point. So, look, I, I'll be at the risk of being too optimistic. I feel really good about this move. Yeah, uh, I think you have to. Um, I'm definitely at this point more excited about that Doug Marone bit because we know that he's gone and we know that the offensive line was the issue with the with the offense or call it the biggest issue we've yeah. go, we've gone into way too much detail about Derek Carr's issues whether it was Michael Thomas's issues Chris Olave's issue the running game etc but it all starts and ends with the offensive line I think we all agree on that so there there's too much talent uh there in that position in that room to just say Oh, they're just all not performing to their capability. Right. You know, that, that that just to me, I know anything's possible in this day and age in the NFL, but to me, that just cannot be it. Like that cannot be, it cannot be it, and it certainly can't be what we're supposed to live with. Uh, and just roll out the same guys next year, uh, even if we added a young guy in the draft, and 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 just we can't expect to roll out the same guys with the same coach and expect a different result. So I'm happy. Uh, Kubiak news aside that uh, Doug Marone is not going to be the offensive line coach next year. That's not a guarantee that whoever they bring in is going to necessarily be better, Um, but it's not the same guy. And uh, I I think you have to point to Marone overall quality, but also with, with Penning's just complete fall off cliff of development uh, not that he ever solidified yeah, himself as a say, starter, he didn't but fall off because he never made it up to Cliff. I mean, it's it's like the first year you hoped that he would get better, and you're like, well, he's still at the very bottom. He's raw, so it can't really get worse, right? Well, it right. got worse, you know. So that was impressive from the bad from a bad standpoint of coaching. So I'm glad that he's gone. I would hope, in terms of whether or not we can trust the news of Kubiak, um, you we know, should I'll, be able to. I think we point. should be able to, but I think the fact that Marone was let go after that news came out is a good sign that okay like it's happening they just can't say it they're paving the way for him to bring in more of his own guys um you know that's what I'm putting if I had to put any money on it I would would take that as a sign for that but I think overall yeah I mean bringing in Kubiak just shows that we're willing to open up to have a new style 
uh, you know, I think like Ryan and some other people were tweeting it that it's going to be the first time, uh, you know, in forever since we can remember having a, a new offensive system. Uh, you know, Carmichael, Payton, et cetera, have been there since 06. Uh, so for the first time in a long time, we're going to see something different, which, you know, I'm excited about the difference regardless. But when you look at, you know, the personnel we do have, like, as in the personnel we're, we're just going to have to roll into next year with, like, we're not going to get rid of Kamara. Carr is going to be the quarterback. Uh, you know, Jawan Johnson's still going to be there. God willing, we uh, draft Brock Bowers. Um, we're still going to have the receivers, maybe except for Mike. But the personnel we have currently looks to be personnel that a guy like Kubiak, coming from the system he's been in, can can excel with. Yeah, and, and to me, the most exciting thing, and you just touched on it, is the fact that it's a brand new offensive system. You know, that's always exciting because it's the unknown. Right. You know, we have seen what the old system can do, but unfortunately it became stale, stagnant, whatever word you want to use. You know, in and, and the last few years, it just wasn't what it used to be. You know, Carmichael obviously was very disappointing from, from you know, just about any standpoint when you when you break down his performance. Um, I'm really excited to see what Kubiak can do. You know, when you look back, he has called plays at multiple locations. Um, yeah. And look back when he was with the Vikings, when he took over as offensive coordinator, that's when Cousins was cooking. Yeah. Justin Jefferson was cooking. You know, there's there's just a lot of reason for optimism. Dalvin and, Cook was healthy that year, right? He was. I want to say that was 2021. Um, yeah. Yeah, because in 2022, he ended up in Denver. Right. And he uh, ended up calling plays for a stretch uh, for Hackett. But that, you know, Hackett obviously was, a, it was not a good head coach in Denver. That was a bad situation. But getting to go to San Francisco and be the passing game coordinator, you know, that's huge because to me, Shanahan's system is fantastic. You know, it's the running game basically sets up everything else. Um, They're able, he's been able to get great performances out of, let's just say, less talented quarterbacks. You know, look at the record of the, of uh, quarterbacks that have gone and done well under Shanahan in San Francisco. You know, you had uh, Jimmy GQ made it to a Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. You yep. had Brock Purdy. And look, no disrespect to Brock Purdy. You know, he looks – obviously, he was a steal where he was picked, last pick in the draft, um, and has overperformed anyone's expectations. But the reality is, I mean, he's not the most talented quarterback. Yeah. and He's just got great weapons and an amazing scheme. Yeah, so. and using Brock Purdy as an example of the QB that that system can take uh, to, to high places, you know, it's – like you said, it's, it's not a knock on Purdy, but – because you hear a lot of people saying like, you know, don't oh, don't say Brock, Brock Purdy like in the negative kind of context because look at the look at what the man's done this year. He's just done nothing but produce. He's won games, et cetera, et cetera. He's had a couple multi interception games as well. But but however you want to slice it, if you want to call him an MVP candidate, if you want to say top ten, top five QB in the league this year, either way you slice it. It is an overperformance. You know, if it wasn't him overperforming since he's come into the league, then why was he drafted as the last guy in the draft? Right. You know, so it's the system that has taken guys like that and elevated them or and or a system that's taken a guy like Jimmy G, who, you know, was kind of, you know, I don't want to say similar to Carr there. It's apples to oranges, but he's a quarterback where people would say, man, sometimes he just looks like an all-pro. There's some games where he just looked lights out, or there's some quarters where he just was lights out. 
But then there's other times where you're, you you just, you know, he was lacking. You know, you take a quarterback like that in an offense and get that QB, that offense to a Super Bowl, that's nothing to scoff at. That's not by accident. You right. know, luck happens everywhere, but that's not by accident. So I'm excited that we have someone who's been in, like, in a system like that coming into our – but now look. Yeah, what I, what I love about it is the system is not predicated on having an all-pro quarterback. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it is, it is meant, it's a system that elevates the quarterback. Right. And, uh, you know, we have a quarterback right now who is somewhere, depending on the day and, you know, how he's performing is somewhere between probably, you know, 12 and 20 in the uh, QB hierarchy in the NFL. You know, yeah. one, one game he's, he's the 20th best QB, the next game he might be the 12th. <laughs> or as we saw this year, depending on the quarter of the game. Right. But, <laughs> you so know, look, car, car is better than people, than people want to say. At the end of the day, he, he is he is what he is. He's a mid QB who's yeah. paid appropriately, as Nick broke down a few episodes ago. Um, but Carr, you know, there's there's reason for optimism that in this system he should be able to 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 excel and build on what he did last year. My only concern is his history of struggling in year one of new yep. systems, yep, adapting and adapting, catching so, on. But the other thing is, look, they're going to have to renegotiate his contract or I should restructure his contract to where it's going to tie him to us for at least another year. You know, yeah. we all looked at it initially, the initial contract, and we said, okay, if he doesn't do well after 23 and 24, they can hit eject. Once he restructures, that goes back at least a year to where you're looking at probably after 2025 is when they can hit eject. Yeah. So. Um, but it's funny you say that because I was just thinking that, you know, we had all these kind of built-in excuses for the team this year, this past offseason, heading into this year. We we said – I mean, we all way overinflated our expectations, thought the team was going to be a lot better than what they turned out to be. Not saying we shouldn't have had those expectations based on the talent, but, um, you know, but the, going the year before that, it was, you know, D.A., didn't really solidify himself or give us that confidence of, okay, this guy's an NFL head coach. This guy is, you know, he got a bad draw with injuries, but otherwise that guy at HC, he's the one that's going to take us to where we need to go. We weren't saying that, but we also said, but we got to give him another year because, I mean, not everybody said that, but some proponents of him were saying, but look, give him I understand him getting year two. So that's what I'm saying. I don't agree with him getting year three. My concern is that we're setting ourselves up to have excuses or we're setting Mickey up to have excuses flow through into, uh, you know, DA getting a year four. And that, that's my only concern. Now I'm going to shift to this in the event that the team is horrible but the offense is humming. Say it's the defense that that is the culprit this year by a wide margin. Do you think Kubiak is a guy who can step in to a head coaching role? I mean, to be honest, it's way too early to say yes or no to that question, just from a standpoint of he hasn't been on a team for more than a year. Yeah, and no you one's asking I mean? the like, question. Like, think about it. The last three years, it's been Vikings, Broncos, 49ers, yeah. now Saints. So fourth team in four years. You know, obviously, coaching stability in those locations kind of played a part in it. Um, I don't. I, I'm not going to say one way or the other. I think that he could step up, you know, and be the, the interim head coach and lead the team. I would like to think so. Um, 
Again, I don't think this, the wheels will never fall off on this team. Yeah, the they reason, just they just won't. The you reason know? that comes up in my mind though is going back to Carr. You know, if he does struggle or just seems to have a similar year, and we chalk it up to well, uh, you know, he he had a new offense. He had to learn a new offense. It took him to well. I'm week, giving Carr more of a 12. break for the injuries as opposed to sure. learning. I'm not going to give him a break for the offense because you got to be able to pick that up. You see players like. Brock Purdy, for example, as a rookie last year, came in, picked it up. He won, what, like the last seven or eight games. So there's no excuse for him not picking up the offense and mastering it completely. That being said, his injuries, those were a big, big factor. You know, I think he was hurt way worse than uh, than he let on. And it was one of those things where, look, he knew if he wasn't on the field, there was a chance he wouldn't get back on the field if Jameis played well. Yeah. So – that's I'll give him more of a break for the injuries than I will for the uh, the offense and learning the playbook. Um, but again, I don't think this team. You know, obviously we're we're before free agency, we're before the draft. Um, I just don't see they're not going to quit as long as there's a Cam Jordan, a Demario Davis, a Tyran Matthew. As long as those guys are in the locker room, yeah. this team will not quit. Yeah. And secondly, if Da can just just keep his hands away from the offense and just look at Kubiak and say, hey, that's your show. Basically what yeah. Sean Payton did with Greg Williams. Yeah, it's like, please do that, D.A. If he does, and look, all in, from all intents and purposes, it looks like that's what's happening. You know, right? but Marone's gone. So yeah. It looks like they're ready to just clear everybody out, and they're going to let Kubiak bring in anyone he wants. Yeah. And then um, I, I think as long as he sticks to that and says, you know what, this is your show. You run that. I'll handle the defense. This team's got to again. This this division is not going to get. It's not gonna. It's not gonna be much better than it was this year. Yeah, barring he, some kind of crazy, you know, draft uh, day trade where someone picks up like you know a Marvin Harrison Jr. or something like that. Like this, these yeah. teams are still going to be comparable to what they were last year. Yeah, like you said, there's a lot of uh, talent acquisition yet to happen between free agency and the draft, and but at least from from. Uh, the Let first- me ask you this: Did the Falcons head coach? What is it, Raheem Morris? Does that scare you in the least? No, that's what I was going to say. So, like, at least the first steps into the offseason. Panthers head coach. The head coaching Dave hires Pinellas? have not been anything that we've been like, oh, well, damn. Todd Bowles is still in Tampa? A, yeah, like, that. we haven't said, oh, that hire, man, that's a sign that that team means business. Now, people could have said that about us when we hired Sean Payton because he was kind of yeah. an unknown commodity. So, we have to take it with that grain of salt, you know. Uh, but at the same time... Yeah, it, we dude. They look the same. Like honestly, yeah, they look the same. Yeah, you know and, what I mean. Like Da is not. Look, you you line those four head coaches up, and then obviously Canales is unproven, and he was only an offensive coordinator for one year in yeah. Tampa. Now, granted, that one year was the resurrection of Baker Mayfield. You know, everybody looked good at that point, but um, you know what has he done other than that one year? Yeah, it, and then you look at you know Raheem Morris. I mean, he failed in his first go round, right? And. So, I forget. Look, maybe, DA, maybe I, those guys are all – they're about equal at, at head coach. So we don't have – it's not like we're in the the, uh, the division with Andy Reid and Sean Payton and Jim Harbaugh. You yeah. know what I mean? Like we're in, a, we're in the well, junior division. F- funny because we play that division. Right. But, um, but at least we don't play all those teams twice. Uh, but, yeah. If, if DA lets Kubiak cook, just give him control, let him run the ship. I mean, there's a chance if, if, as long as his system – Yeah. 
works. Now, look, I think you're going to see some, you know, some shuffling of the uh, the back end of the roster guys on offense. Like he's going to bring in guys he has experience with. Um, I know there's been a, a a lot of talk about Jawan Jennings. Saw that. Did you see that that clip up? That yeah. Chop up of his blocking. Yo, he's that an was, animal. That was he's badass. Yeah. You know, and you're gonna. I think you're gonna see him. Which and this is going to be exciting because you might see some of these guys who have, have hung on a little too long in the uh, the Peyton Carmichael system. You know, some of these guys might get shuffled out the door. Like, you know, like you'll never see a, a Traveris Cadet or a uh, Tommy Lee Lewis or any of those guys come back again. You know no. what I mean? Like, there's going to be a new <laughs> a new group of guys that the coaches love. And yeah, this is Kubiak's guys. So, yeah, I'm interested to see what happens, man. Like, if uh, if this running game can just open up a little bit. Yeah. Of daylight for for Kamara, I think Kamara can still be a, a very effective player. You know, if Kendra Miller takes that uh, that next step that yeah. we think he can, yeah. you know, you're looking good there. I mean, yeah, Kamara himself, as an example, uh, is not far off from being the X factor that he used to be. I mean, it's not. I'm not summoning up you and Nick's debate on big play versus home run. Whether it is or is not that. It's just the idea that he can be used properly. And if he's on the field fresh with a true between-the-tackles RB1 complimenting him, then he then turns back into someone who you have to— You just hit the nail on the head. You have to account for. See, when you said with a true RB1, we need a true RB1. we need— And look, hopefully it's Kendra. Kendra's only 21 years old. He's got— because nowadays you look at the true, what I would call true RB ones, and if anyone listening is uh, expecting an exact definition of true RB one, no, it I'm not giving it to you because I don't know the exact definition, but y'all know what I'm talking about. Just a guy who you can depend on to run between the tackles when you need to run between the tackles. Not talking about a situational goal line guy, but a guy who is able to do it first through third down, and then you know keep them guessing with a pass to the flat here and there. So Kendra. Like a lot of other true RB1s that have had success in this league, is young and sure, inexperienced, but we're seeing more and more success out of guys with less tread on the tires, uh, just pure ability with a decent blocking squad in front of them. Yeah, and let me say this. I don't even think we need a true RB1. We just need a, a running back that has juice. Kendra has juice. You know what I mean? Like You can see the explosion. Kamara, his is close to the expiration date. I need another running back. Pick one in like the fifth round. That's fine. You can get somebody in the fifth round who's got some speed and explosiveness. You know, think like a Pacheco two years ago. They got him, I want to say, in the sixth round. Yeah. You can get these guys. Yeah. but That's what we need. We need somebody who is a threat to pop a run because we do not have that. I think we have one in Kendra. That's it. Like Jamal Williams, he ain't it, man. He's got to kick rocks. He makes way too yeah. much money to be doing the bullshit he does. I really from a production standpoint. I, I want look. I, I want. We him. all want him to be yeah. good because he's fun. Yeah, but, but the reality is, when you average two point nine a carry, you know, and you're already, I think he's going to be twenty nine going into the season. That's not a good combination. Yeah. yeah. So, no, um, I agree. but no, I think it kind of comes back down to this with with the higher it. The biggest things, you know, we always bemoan the idea of being in purgatory. You know, are we in? and mostly we're talking about purgatory as a franchise, right? Because like you said, the makeup of this team, especially the players on this team, whether they're old, oft injured, uh, you name it, they still, as a whole, I, I agree with you, don't have the capability to just have a wheels fall off type of season that gets you a top three, top five pick. So that's organizational purgatory. And then by the same token, 
probably not bad enough that we think to get Dennis Allen fired. Um, but with the car situation and the news, which we kind of thought was going to happen about restructuring the contract. Now, to be now, clear, it hasn't now, happened yet. It hasn't happened so yet, but it's probably going to. Should that happen, now I'm thinking of a different type of purgatory. I'm thinking of a Derek Carr-based purgatory where maybe we do just poorly enough so that they say, yep, you know, DA really is the problem. We're going to shift to an offensive head coach. But we've already kicked the can enough with Carr where front office thinks that a new offensive-minded head coach can come in with Carr. And then you've got Kubiak. Well, no, if you get a, a new sudden, if you get a new offensive-minded head coach, Carr is going to be gone. That, but here's the thing, though. Carr isn't going anywhere until 2025. Yeah. He's just not. And most likely 2026. Yeah. So just the, he's going to be here. So don't even, don't even, it's not worth bringing it up. That's what I mean. Up. Him being here is like another type of purgatory. Is but not I'm, necessarily because if, you, if this guy comes in and the offense is as progressive as we think it is and he gets the humming game or the running game humming, dude, there's a, there's a chance this, like, Carr is getting closer to like, 10, 11, 12, and this team's in the playoffs yeah. and actually contending. So, look, Tampa showed you this year. They were neck and neck with us and the Falcons all year. You know, we were all tripping over our dicks, being as inept as possible. Someone had to win the division. Tampa pulled away in the last couple of weeks. They got to the playoffs. They beat the Eagles. Yeah. I feel confident in saying we would have beaten the Eagles had we gotten in. See, I'm one of the people that thinks we, we still wouldn't have. But I'm not as why, comp- why would you say that? Because of every other game we played this year. There were plenty of teams that we were like, we should definitely thrash this team, even with our current makeup. Or that team played so poorly last week, we shouldn't have any issues with them. The Saints, it's, no, the Saints were like, playing fine the last couple of games. I know we were. No, I know we were. It's they would have beaten It's just because of who we were. I, I'm, I'm not saying we couldn't have. I just am not one of these, oh, that was 100% a win for us. I My mean, point is, we had yeah. just beaten Tampa. No, I know. I know what you're saying. Pretty convincingly. I know what you're saying. We would, I know have it, gone to, we would have beaten the Eagles as well. Like, I feel very confident in saying that. The Eagles were a fucking train wreck. But that just shows you, and this yeah. is more to Nick's point, it's all about getting to the playoffs whenever you can because you don't know what the fuck's going to happen yeah. when you get to the playoffs. Yeah. And, like, Carr is not as bad as people think he is, dude. Like, this, that's the narrative that's floating around. But the people who, who, who you know, are pushing that narrative are the same ones who said the Saints would never be able to get a good offensive coordinator because nobody wants to go to a sinking ship. That is fucking stupid. Yeah, I mean, like anyone I, I, who, anyone who's pushing that narrative doesn't know what the fuck they're talking about. Because I, look at like Dave Canales is a prime example. He went to Tampa Bay to be yeah. the offensive coordinator for the twenty twenty three season when uh, what's it? I can't remember. Todd Bowles. You know, people didn't think he was going to make it through the season. It strikes me. Look, I mean, I get the the idea that if your head coach is that toxic, it definitely makes it to me quote more difficult to convince people to come in. To say any to say anything in the NFL is a one hundred percent no or a one hundred percent yes. To use the extremes like this will never happen or this will always happen. You can't really say that in anything in the NFL. But I do think to me, you just kind of compare it to the the you know the in vogue transfer portal in college football, where if you're buried on a depth chart and you know you've got something to offer, and another team saying, hey, you can come move up the depth chart by just being here you see players go from college A to college B just to get to the number one spot on the depth chart. So I see Kubiak as being someone who thinks I have OC 
talent. I have OC coordinator, you know, offensive coordinator well, capabilities. He, he looked at the available he teams was, and he said the Saints have the yeah. better offensive pieces. He was buried on the depth chart, if you will, in San Francisco and the coaching staff and had an opportunity to become the starter, aka OC. Right, but my point is literally so, there Ben yeah. Johnson is the rare exception right now in that he could have had a, a head coaching job this offseason. Now yeah. words going around that he was asking for too much money. Right. But he willingly said, you know what, I will go back to the Lions. We have a job to finish, blah, 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 blah. But most people aren't doing that. Most people yeah. are going to say, I can take this quarterback. I can take these wide receivers. I can take these running backs. I can make this a high-powered offense, and then I can use that as a stepping stone yeah. to get a better job. And back to my question earlier. So like, the whole thing like is like the narrative that the Saints wouldn't be able to get anybody – I knew we would it's get fucking. Retarded. I knew we would get somebody. I think we were still we still had that concern. Yeah, they got one of the top candidates out there. Yeah, and and it's a big win. And, it's a huge win and, because uh, it's like if they would have gotten Luke Getze, no, the Bears' God. offensive coordinator, then I can see or, everyone being like, okay, what the hell was this? Or Sullivan from Pittsburgh, that would have been awful, right? But so, in you bring up a good point because it kind of comes back to the question I asked you, which you're right, you can't really answer right now. Do we think Kubiak is head coaching material? Well. If, there's potential to be a head if, coach. Yeah, if he comes in next year, finds a way to get Derek Carr to understand a new offense, uh, puts up production, Saints make the playoffs, maybe win a playoff game, and if it's the offense that we have to thank for it, then you're damn right he'll be on some of those lists next year because everyone talked about all the openings this year. Well, there's openings every year, so like it's going to happen. But anyway, um, you got anything else on uh, – yeah, I, I just, I just, you know, it's, again, it, it just cracks me up that the, the narrative and and now people are backtracking on that narrative, and it's just, I know Michael Thomas's comments, you know, those, those have been uh, dissected, you know, on uh, social media, just everyone's picking them apart and trying to look for the hidden meaning and all that. And look, obviously, things are not ending up. Um, in New Orleans for Michael Thomas the way that anyone wanted it to. You know, ideally he would be here for the rest of his career and he, he would put up 12,000 receiving yards and be on his way to the Hall of Fame. But yep. the reality is, you know, it's it's four straight years of basically subpar production due to injury more than anything else. Um, and, you know, he's one of those hyper, hyper competitive people. You could see it when he and Breeze were on the same team. Like those were the two who had that that gene, that super competitive, the Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant yeah. gene. Like you could see it. You see it in his face. But the thing is, like he has not done well when he's not on the field. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like just now, there's to me, it's a split. Not a split issue, but it's it's one thing to talk about Mike Thomas, the player, because it's everything that you just said, and then it's another thing to say. Well, what do you think about Mike Thomas saying what he said? Those are two different things. You know, he doesn't... I love Mike Thomas, the player. Yeah. And I don't think that you have to be a pro bowler to say the things that he said and be right about the things that he said. If he wants to say it, it's his prerogative to say it. It's also the team's prerogative to decide how they want to handle a player saying things like that in in public. You know? um, I mean, you would think he's gone at this point. Yeah. So... Yeah, like you said, you'd want a lot more out of them. But uh, I just here's we'll the see. thing. Like I know you know, and there, there's it, it's not to me. We root for the team, and yep. like exactly. I don't, I don't like Dennis Allen. I don't think he's fit to be a head coach. But here's the deal: he's going to be here for the 2024 season. So yep. let's make the best of it. So let's hope that Kubiak can come in, bring an effective system. Get the offense going at the level that it needs to be, and hopefully yep. uh, DA can keep the defense going at a respectable level. Yep. Between the two, 
who can make a playoff run and see what could look anything could happen once you get to the playoffs yeah. and one thing that cures all this beefing and all this negativity is winning right so like at the end of the day I can give two shits who's right between Mike Thomas, Derek Carr said his piece about. Yeah, if you're winning, you know, nobody gives a it's fuck. It's like, I don't care if Derek Carr is right, if Michael Thomas is right. Just go out there and win the ball game, okay? Yeah. So at the end of the day, yeah. you know, we'll, we'll, we'll finish off with this. At the end of the day, it's about do your fucking job. You know what I mean? I work with people I don't like. I'm sure you work with people you don't <laughs> like. You know, and when things are going well and you're making money and everything's humming, you're probably not going to say anything. But mm-hmm. if things are getting bad and, you know, maybe somebody cuts your, your, your pay a little bit, you're going to start bitching and you're going to be yeah. upset. So but at the end of the day, do what you get paid to do. This is, this is to Carr. This is to everybody on the team. Just fucking do your job. Perform the way you're supposed to uh, perform. You know, earn your paycheck. Yep. That's it. But um, we're going to go ahead and wrap this one up. We'll be back next week. Nick will be back from Guam, and uh, we're going to probably, at this point, hopefully, after the Super Bowl, the hire will be made official, and we can not be dancing around on pins and needles hoping that it doesn't fall through. Exactly. But uh, once that happens, we'll go ahead and do a more in-depth podcast and talk about, you know, what Kubiak brings to the table, what we think is going to happen, what players are going to benefit, who we can target in uh, free agency, and then uh, we'll have a few other uh, bonus episodes as well. Yep. But you got anything else? I'm good. Signing off on 328 anniversary day. Seven years, baby. Who that? What a beautiful seven years. (laughs) Who that? Till next time.